This is the Oasis Church Podcast. We're located in Athens, Ohio, and we use this podcast feed to primarily post the messages from our Sunday morning church gatherings. If you enjoy this message or if you'd like to know more about Oasis Church, please reach out to us at oasisathens at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you, and we hope that you enjoy this message from Oasis Church in Athens, Ohio. Well, if you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 4, because today we're going to be in 4 and 5. Okay, We're going to finish chapter 4, and we're going to be in, in chapter 5 today for the majority of, of our message here. And I, I, you know, I want to kind of confess something to you guys. You know, sometimes when you're, like, I, I prepare to preach every week. And sometimes when you're in, like when you prepare the word that you're about to, to speak for the, you know, the Sunday, like throughout the week, you can tell that this is, this is, this is kind of coming together. And this is, this is, this feels good. It feels right. It's like clicking, you know, and even all the way up to this morning, I got up early this morning and it was just kind of looking back through the, the, the passage and my notes and things. And I just got this, this, like, it's like, I don't know. It just, I'm, I'm, I'm admitting to you, this one doesn't feel right to me. I mean, it feels right. Like, I, I believe we're, we're preaching the Word of God. But sometimes, you know, some, some weeks they feel good. Some weeks it feels like this is going to be a dud. This is probably going to be a dud. So I'm just warning you right up front, okay? And, and it's funny because it's usually, a lot of times it's those, like, you know, you, you talk to anyone who preaches. Um, they'll tell you that, that on some Sundays when it seems like it was just... Gosh, I was struggling to get through it. I was stuttering over my words and everything. It's those are the weeks that you get the text messages from people that say, um, "Hey, that was really that was really meaningful to me." But I'm not anticipating that today. I just want to let you know you guys know that I did. I tell you, ironically enough, I got two different. Um, I got a, a handful of text messages this morning and, and messages on Facebook, and um, had a couple different um, ministry friends actually reach out and say that they were praying for me specifically this morning. And so maybe God is, is reached out to them in some way by the Holy Spirit and said, hey, he's really struggled through the study this week. And so uh, ask, ask me for, his, for help for him today. So uh, let's go ahead and just read the scripture and then we're going we're gonna to jump in. I'll tell you what our theme is up front. It's going to be really easy to follow. If you take notes, it's going to be easy. I got, I've got points today and I'm going to tell you what those points are. And so, uh, yeah, this will be good for your journals. Beginning with verse 42, we're going to read through 5 verse 11. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Chapter 5. On one occasion, while a crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. Well, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that's also, that's Peter, just another name for, for Peter. He asked him to put out a little from the land. So Jesus gets in one of the boats and asks Peter, hey, let's put the boat out a little bit onto the water. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Well, Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled up both boats so that they began to sink. 
When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So something I want you to think about just right up front here is as we consider this scripture today is this. Christianity is, is, yeah, it's a belief system, but it's more than a belief system. It's a lifestyle. And that's where, I mean, for, for every, I think everybody knows that it's a belief. Like, like we all say, yeah, Jesus is God. This, I believe this. When I, I believe he's the God of the Bible, he loves me. All my sins are forgiven. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to check my Facebook account, right? I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to get back to, just get back to life as normal. And I'm going to go on with life as normal, whatever that looks like. But in addition to belief, Christianity is also getting up out of the chair, turning off the TV, turning off the computer, putting the phone down, reordering your life and doing some things for Jesus, with Jesus, because Jesus loves you, because he has saved you of your sins. And so that's really going to be our theme for today. That's going to be our overarching theme as we look at the lifestyle of Jesus. We've already begun looking at his ministry and how his ministry began and what kinds of things have happened so far as he set out to begin preaching. And then when people came to him, what kinds of things he ended up doing. But I'm telling you, when we look today again, and as we continue to look, we're going to see the lifestyle of Jesus and what that looks Looks like, and then ask ourselves, what's that mean for me? What does that mean for me? And so I'm just going to give you things. I'm going to give you things really, really specifically. Okay, we're going to look back really quick into a summary. So as you look back, if you look back over the summary of what Jesus did when he began his ministry, right? Over everything that's happened so far, like in Luke chapter four, for example, Jesus begins his ministry. And if you remember last week, he had a really big day, right? He, he starts out with a bang. And so I guess I'll just say this. Point number one is this. Poor, if we're, if we're going to model the lifestyle of Jesus, if that's what Christianity is, when in the book of Acts, they called them Christians, which meant little Christ, little Jesus, little Christs. These, these were people who were walking around and they pretended to be like, they were trying to be like Christ. They're trying to carry out the ministry of Christ. So they called them little Christ. And that's how we got our names. And so if Christianity is being like Christ, then what does it look like to be like Christ? What does it look like to be, what does his lifestyle look like? And the first thing we're gonna see, we saw it last week, is Jesus pours himself into ministry. He just pours himself into ministry. If you remember, Jesus begins by preaching in all these little synagogues throughout Galilee, right? And then he goes to his hometown in Nazareth and he begins to preach in Nazareth. And what happens? People come, crowds press in on him, right? And they bring him all sorts of stuff. What do they bring him? The same kinds of things that we experience in today's world. What, what kind of world are we living into in today? It's a sick, dead, decaying, dying world. Everything in this world is to encourage you to love and worship and adore and serve and idolize who? Me, self, 
I'm the God of me, right? I am the number one thing in the world and the universe, and everything revolves around me, and everything needs to, to I need to make sure that I'm happy, happy and my happiness is, one, is a number one priority in this life. And so living in this world, for example, this morning and every morning when you wake up, basically you look in the God of the mirror, which, which you, you see that the God that we serve a lot, and you, and you make sure, what, our, what do we do? We make sure that everything is fitting our desires on a daily basis. What, what, you know, and if we don't fulfill our own desires, what happens? Well, we, we're unhappy. We go in, we sink into a depression or anxiety or grief or sadness. It's just complete narcissism every single day. That's what most of our lives end up being if we're not intentional about making them about something else. And so the way out from that is the love of God and the service of others. The love of God and the service of others. If your life is about you, you will be depressed because you're never, you're never going to be fulfilling the purpose that God has for you and you're wasting that life. And so giving yourself, pouring yourself into the ministry, just as Jesus does when he begins his ministry, is this. You, it, it's, it's us standing and saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to give myself for what Jesus gave himself for, the glory of God and the good of others. And that's what you see. Last week when we opened up uh, Luke chapter 4, what did we see? Early in Luke chapter 4, you see that Jesus gets kicked out of Nazareth and he ends up in Capernaum. He's in the, the hometown of Simon Peter, the one that we see him interact with today out on the water. And, and he goes to the synagogue in Capernaum and he preaches. Now that alone, I just, just that alone. So just, just say, I think we can gloss over the fact that Jesus preaches everywhere he goes. But I'll be honest with you. I can attest to this. Preaching is exhausting. It really is. And, I don't, and I'm not saying this. I, please don't hear me tooting my own horn. Someone once said that um, preaching a sermon, preaching for an hour, which I, I can do. <laughs> I'll try not to today, but I can do that. But somebody has said one time, I don't know who it was, but they said that preaching for an hour um, is, is almost, it's like equal to, in terms of the exhaustion that it, get, that it gives you, is equal to an entire day's work in like my typical job, whatever it would be day to day. I don't know how accurate that is, but I can tell you this, preaching is indeed exhausting. And there's a, there's a good reason why Sunday afternoons and evenings, they're good times of rest. I'll just put it that way, just good times of rest. And so what's Je what Jesus do? Everywhere he goes, he's preaching. Everywhere he goes. So, I mean, that's not a minimal thing. That's a pretty big thing. That's, that's, in fact, that's the reason he said he's come. That's his calling, which we'll get to in here, here in a minute. But if that's not exhausting enough, if, if just preaching in the synagogues is not exhausting enough, what happens? Crowds come to him and they have all kinds of questions and they've got all kinds of prayer requests and they've got all kinds of needs and they want to have discussions with them and they want to argue with them. Here eventually we'll see them starting to argue with him. And now he's got to meet with people, right? So now not only is he preaching, now he's got to meet with people and pray with them. He's got to encourage them. He's got to serve them. And then a demonized guy comes. We saw last week. A demonized guy comes in. I don't know if you ever cast out a demon, but it's complicated and a big deal. And Jesus does. They can be pretty exhausting in and of itself. Well, Jesus cast a demon out of this guy. Well, now... All kinds of people have questions for him. And it's like, wow, I know someone with a demon. Let's bring him to him. This was a big public, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a big event necessarily. It was a small town, but it was a public event. He didn't do this in private. And so now what's happening is more people are surrounding Jesus everywhere he goes. And he's already a bit of a rock star sort of on tour in these small little towns. Well, to get a little bit of a break, he goes to Simon Peter's house. After Nazareth, he goes to Capernaum and to Simon Peter's house to get a break. Does he get a break there? 
at the end of our sermon last week? No. Why? Simon Peter's mother-in-law is there, and she's sick. She's got a fever, perhaps even dying from this fever. And so Jesus heals her. I mean, just a constant exhaustion of ministry. That's what it is. And then the word gets out after that. Hey, there's this guy who's preaching. He's casting out demons. He's healing people without a copay. Let's go see him, right? And so they, they gather around Simon Peter's house, outside of his house. There's this line of people like, hey, pray for me. Teach me this. I got a broken arm. Can you help me? Can you fix this, Jesus? Hey, I, this guy's got a demon. Help, help, help. And it's just he's never got time for a nap. He never gets time for a meal. Everybody's coming at him from all angles. It has to be exhausting. He's poured himself into ministry. So that's point number one. All right? So that's where Jesus is. He's probably really exhausted. He's worked really hard. He's poured himself into the ministry already in the first First week, then what does he do? And this is point number two. He rests and he recovers. He goes to solitude. That's what we see. That's what he was trying to do here. Verse 42, the very first verse that we read today. And when it was day, what did he do? He departed and he went to a desolate place. So Jesus gets up early, probably before everybody else gets up at Peter's house. And he's like, all right, I'm gone. I'm leaving. And there are probably still people there. And they're probably looking around for Jesus like, wow, that's kind of, he's kind of rude, right? He's, now that he's got more people in his church, he's got a little bit of a following. He's not very accessible, right? That happens, doesn't it? I'm so glad. I'm glad they didn't have iPhones back then. Because, like, you know if they had iPhones, someone would have, like, made a Where's Jesus app for the iPhone, and they would have been tracking him down. Okay, where is he, right? Let's go find him. All right. You know someone would have invented that thing. But Jesus is like, look, I got to get out of here. I have to get a break. He had to get a break, and he did. And so what's he do? He goes somewhere else. And it's not that he doesn't love people. It's not that he doesn't want to meet every single need. It's not that he doesn't recognize that they have needs. It's just that when God became a man, he could only be in one place at one time. He's got to eat something. He has to find a bathroom. At some point, he needs to get a little bit of rest. And so that's what ministry is. That won't, so we're talking today, so the theme for today, if you haven't noticed yet, is ministry, okay? And we're talking about ministry. And I know that's really easy to just think, well, I'm talking about myself. I'm really not. I'll give you, I'll give you the, the, the punchline here. We're really talking about every single one of you. And the second point is, when you pour yourself into ministry, you really got to make sure that when the tank is empty, you go to a desolate place and you let God refill it. Rest and recovery has to happen. And it happens in solitude. And so number three, here's what Jesus does. And we see this again in verse 42, as you, through, through verse 44. The point is this, pursue your calling, not your potential. Okay? You hear all kinds of gurus telling you to pursue your potential, reach your potential, find out what your potential is. And that's good. I'll tell you something better. You have a calling. Every single one of you have a calling. What that means is God has purpose for you. God, the creator of the universe, has purpose for you. And yeah, even if you're really young, yeah, even if you're retired, you don't ever retire from ministry. God still has purpose for you. And it may adjust, it may change throughout the years, but he has purpose. And that's what we mean when we say calling. And so I really want you to think about that today and consider that today. Here's the big idea. So verse 42 through the second half um, of, of verse 42 through verse 44, it says, And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. I was sent for this purpose. 
That's Jesus' mission statement about himself. He knew what his purpose was. And what does he do? What's it say that he does? And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And so Jesus comes out of his silence. He comes out of his rest, his solitude time. And what happens is everybody's like, okay, glad you're back, Jesus. Here's the to-do list, right? We saw you heal people. We saw you cast out demons. We got this clipboard here. We got a line of people outside. You preach a really good sermon. We're running a stadium. This thing's ready to roll. We're all plugged in. Here's your job description. Let's just set up, tongue twister. Let's set up shop here in Capernaum. We're ready to go. Ready to go. Here we go. Big ministry time. <clears throat> Mega church. We got something, we got something happening here. And what's Jesus say? He says, no. <laughs> he says, no. Why? I mean, you might think, why no? I mean, are those things bad? The things that he did back in Nazareth, are those bad? Well, no, those are perfectly good things. But they're not the things Jesus was called by the Father to do. That's important to understand. And he clarifies it. <clears throat> Sorry, I've had this tickle in my throat all morning. I can't get it out. I can taste and smell, so don't worry. <laughs> it's just a tickle. I feel great. He clarifies his call. He says, look, I must preach. I was sent. And so he's a preaching missionary. Jesus' primary calling on earth was to preach. That was his calling. And he's saying, look, <clears throat> I'm not against healing, but I'm not starting a hospital. I'll heal some people along the way as we go from town to town. And and I'm not against casting out demons, but I'm not going to set up a weekly exorcism show under the big tent. I'm just not going to do it. That's not why I'm here. I don't mind praying for people, but it's not going to be me spending 60, 80 hours a week praying for people. I'll pray for some people along the way. I'm going to heal some people along the way. I'm going to cast out some demons along the way. But here's the big idea. I can't set up shop here in Capernaum. I got to go to this town and this town and this town and this town. I got to go everywhere that I can go in this part of the world that I've come to, I've got to preach in that place, in that place, in that place. I've got to open the word of God. I've got to proclaim the God of grace to people who are sinners and don't know God and don't know that they need to repent and they need to change and get on the road to salvation that I am going to offer them. I've got to go everywhere that I can to introduce people to the truth. That's what I need to do. And what he's saying is this, what that point means to me is this, intentionally living your life to pursue the things that you know God has gifted and called you to do. That's how Jesus lived his life. That's the example that Jesus gave us. So when we say Christianity is a lifestyle, we're not just looking at, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of God. I put my faith in him. I read the Bible and I study and I go about my business. We're talking about looking at Jesus's life and learning from it and then taking that and putting that to practice in our own lives. And so point number one, we'll review Pour yourself out in ministry. Number two, refreshment, recovering, rest and solitude. Number three, pursue your calling, not your potential. Don't do everything you can do or everything everyone thinks you should do. Do the things God wants you to do. And then the number four point is this. What's Jesus going to do now? And this is where we're going to spend the majority of our, the rest of our time because it's, it's the majority of what he talks about, of what Luke talks about in chapter 5. Jesus is going to do this. He's going to train others to do the same. He's going to pour his life into other people. He's going to recruit and gather other people and train them to share the load so that more work can be done. 
more ministry can be done. And that's what Jesus is doing. That's exactly what he's doing with his calling of Peter and James and John. And he does it at the Sea of Galilee. So let's look again at, at chapter 5 here in, in, in Luke. And let's just read through verse by verse, and we'll just talk a little bit about it. Again, Jesus is recruiting of his first official ministry partners, okay? So on one occasion, it says, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. So let's pause here just for a second again. Just stop right there for a quick second. The basis, the essence, the center, okay, the, the authority of the ministry of Jesus is preaching the word of God. That, that is it. I know that we, the church kind of went through a stint there for a while, I think, in the early 2000s, late 90s, where preaching kind of got downplayed a lot, and every, no one wanted to hear monologue. They didn't believe that, they should, that you should listen to people talk at you, that we should, it's, we're, it's, we're all about dialogue, man. And so let's sit down and have dialogue, man. And, and what that meant was that you sat around with a bunch of people, and some of those people really didn't, they didn't know what to say. They had a lot of they had more questions than they had answers. They didn't understand the Bible. And so, but dialogue was the main thing. I'm not against dialogue. I love dialogue. I love it. I love small group dialogue and discussion. But the fact is, the scripture shows us here from the moment of Jesus' beginning his ministry all the way through the New Testament church that the foundation and the authority of the ministry of the gospel is the preaching of the word of God. That's what it is. And that's what it is. So people gathered to hear the preaching of the word of God. Real honestly, I mean, we love to worship. But you're not coming here to hear me sing. I mean, trust me. I mean, I, I know that you, you, people don't come to Oasis because of our outstanding organization, right? And our beautiful facilities and the fact that we just, that we have this, you know, this just really great dynamic services and programs and, and all this stuff. But I got to believe that you're here today and you who are online today, you're connecting with Oasis just because it, one of the things that we are absolutely committed to is just the authority of the word of God that we know we're going to tell you that the Bible is true. We're going to tell you the Bible is true and that the same Holy Spirit who wrote the scriptures through human authors also works through human teachers to change human lives. That's how ministry works. That's what God does. That is the heart of the ministry. And so people are coming around Jesus. Why? Because he's preaching. He's doing that. And there's this massive crowd. And it says that they're all kind of pressing in on Jesus. And he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. And this is also the Sea of Galilee. So it's the same thing. The way it works is that this sea, this lake is so big, it looks like a sea. But it's so big that, that and they have different towns on different sides of it. And so those different towns have different names for this. Like if you lived over here in this town, you just call it the Lake of Genesaret. But if you, people over here on this side of the lake call it the Sea of Galilee. If they lived in Galilee, they call it the Sea of of Galilee. And so it's just the same. Like, that's why you see this called by different names throughout the Gospels. Okay. And so Jesus is standing there by the Sea of Galilee, otherwise known as the Lake of Genesaret, and he sees two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. What does that mean? They're done for the day, right? They're retiring for the day. The day's work is done. They've given up. They've pulled their nets in. They've ridden to shore on the boats. They've got the boats all docked. They didn't catch anything. But they're washing those nets, making sure that they don't get damaged for the next day's catch, for the next day when they go out. But this is, this is it. This is it for them. It's the end of the day, right? It's probably a disappointing day. If it's your business, at the end, this is the time of the day where you're locking things up. You're cashing out the cash register. Maybe it wasn't a great day, but you're just going to say, yep, we'll come back tomorrow, shutting down the lights, totaling out everything, just shutting it all down. The day's work is done. So Jesus, that's when Jesus comes upon them and sees these boats. So he gets into one of them, <laughs> which was Simon Peter's boat. Now, he, he knows Peter. 
It's not, that, it's not like he doesn't know. It's not like he's getting in some stranger's boat, right? Like you never touch a, a stranger's Harley, right? You don't ever get on a stranger's boat. Well, he knows Peter. He just stayed at his house in Capernaum. He just, he just healed Peter's mother-in-law. So he, they, they have an acquaintance relationship. So he gets in Peter's boat and he asks Peter to push out a little bit onto the, onto the water. I wonder why he does that. I think we have an answer to that. Because he sits down next and he starts teaching the people from the boat. Well, Jesus didn't have the benefit of amplifiers, right? He didn't have the benefit of microphones and amplification. And he's got this crowd pressing around him. And it's really hard to preach when everyone's kind of pressing in on you. And because the acoustics don't travel. They don't travel very well when you've got a lot of people pressing around on you. And, you know, the first few rows of people will hear you pretty well. But the people in the back won't be able to hear you very well. Well, Jesus needs to preach to this really large crowd. And so what he does is he gets in Peter's boat. And he already, you know, he already knew Peter. And he said, hey, Peter, let's push offshore a little bit. And that gives Jesus, one, it gives him some space between the people. It gives him a little room, breathing room. But two, it allows the acoustic, the water, to actually serve as a natural springboard for those acoustics as he teaches them. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But think about this. Jesus was into the technology of his day. This was technology. This was Jesus, this was Jesus recognizing that there is a better way to get this done. And he chose it and he did it. I don't know if you've ever noticed, if you ever go to like a lake or, you know, you're out on a calm body of water and you're maybe swimming over here or you're rafting over here and there's somebody way over there having a conversation. You're like, it sounds like they're just right here. Like you can actually, it's amazing the way water will help carry people's voices. Well, that's what happens. Jesus knows that. He, know, he knows that that'll take place. And so he's aware of all this. It's just amazing how he, you know, it's, it's, why, it's the same reason why we use the technology of our day for the same purpose. He wanted as many people to hear the message of the gospel as possible. We want as many people to hear the message of the gospel as possible. So we're putting on online. We're doing everything we can. That's why we use the technology. So verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep. Let's put out in the deep. So let's go a little deeper. And let your nets down for a catch. <laughs> and Simon answered, well, master, we've toiled all night and took nothing. How long have they been working? All night. How tired are they? You can imagine. Pretty tired. <laughs> what did they catch? Nothing. What does that mean? How much money did they make? None. They got nothing. And now Jesus says, I got an idea. Let's go fishing. <laughs> now, is Jesus a fisherman? Well, no, he's a carpenter. We know that. He, he grew up in a carpentry family. Is Peter a fisherman? Yeah. In fact, he's probably many generations of fishermen. In that day, in that, in that land, they would have, often have, I mean, it wasn't uncommon for fish, you know, fishermen to be a, a family business. And you're a fisherman because your dad was, and then your grandpa was, and your great-grandpa was. And often they would just pass down the equipment, the gear, the boats, the nets, and everything. And you lived in the same place, and so you just carried out the family business. And as a lifelong, multi-generational fisherman, and not just one, but the other two there with them as well, James and John, they all partners in this business. They know what they're doing. There are certain places on the lake where fishermen know where fish generally are, particularly at a certain time of the day. Now they're done. Jesus comes along, a carpenter, and tells Peter, a fisherman, hey, let's go fishing. <laughs> well, come on, Jesus. We fished all night. We've ridden the boats in. We've cleaned the nets. These guys are tired. We didn't get any fish. I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. Now, if this, if this involved wood, I'd defer to you. But this, this is my business. I know what I'm doing here. Pa I mean, pause here for a second. Think, think, think about this with your own life for a second. How many of you, like, 
you know, I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard, like, to take advice or trust God in an area that you know you're pretty good at. Like, like God, this is the area where you know, you've, you've gifted me in this area. I'm kind of an expert at this. I mean, I, you know, you know, and sometimes God will ask you to trust him in that area. And you're like, well, you know, look, I, I know you're God, but I'm, I'm really, this, I'm actually pretty good at this. I mean, there are other areas where I'm really weak. I could really use some help and advice in these areas where I'm weaker. But I think sometimes God, like Jesus does here with Peter and James and John, I wonder if sometimes God just doesn't, he might say something to you that doesn't make a whole lot of sense just to remind you that he's God, that he is God, that he is in control. And so what's Peter going to do here? I mean, Peter already has seen Jesus and his power. He kind of knows what's, what he can do. Peter's like, okay, we've fished all night, but at your word, we'll let down the nets. So they let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were, what's it say? Breaking. It was such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. So Jesus is like, huh, told you, we should have gone fishing. You guys need bigger nets now, right? So they signaled to the other guys in the other boat to come over and help them. And they said that boats, they, they pulled fish into the boats and the boats were so full that they began to, to sink. The boats were starting to, to, to sink a little bit. That's a good day of fishing. I mean, it's the, this is the biggest payday that Peter has ever had. This is going to be the most cash that he's ever made in one catch, in one net. The nets are full, they'll sink in the boats. So what does that, I mean, what does that show you? Allow this to just speak to you all the way through. What does that tell you? I think it tells us this. God can provide. He will and he does provide. So rather than arguing with him, sometimes we just need to do what? Just, just obey him. Okay, God, you know what's best. I'm just going to obey you and I'm going to do what you're asking me to do, even if it doesn't make any sense. And he provides. And so now what's Peter going to do? Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. I love Peter. This is actually one of the things I love about Peter is he's always doing that. <laughs> he's always, first of all, he's always messing up. And then he's always coming back and he's like, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm really sorry. He's like the Charlie Brown of the Bible. Like he never learns from his mistakes. He just keeps going up and trying to kick the ball. And he never makes any contact. He's always falling on his back, running up and slipping and right back on his back again and again and again. That's Peter. He's always running up to Jesus like, Jesus, I'm so sorry again. And Jesus is like, it's okay, Peter. I love you. Jesus, I'm sorry again. Yeah, Peter, I know. I still love you. Oh, no, no, Jesus, really. I really, really, really am sorry this time. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I've seen you. I, we've done this a lot, Peter. We've been through this a lot. I really love you. And what I love about Peter is this. If you're going to pick a leader, right? If you're going to pick a leader, the leader of the disciples, like the one whose name is mentioned first every time you read about the disciples, the one who stands up to preach on the first day when the church is being built, the one that Jesus looked at and said, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter, the rock. That's what his name means. The original planter of the early church. Let him write books of the Bible. I am so glad that he's a regular guy that messes up a lot. Not perfect. He's far from perfect. I mean, Peter's sometimes a big loser, to be really honest. But he's teachable. He's repentant. And when he blows it, he owns it. He owns it. And he keeps coming back to Jesus and saying, man, I'm sorry. Just keep working on me, please. So be that person. You know, we're building a case for your ministry. Understand, that's you. Be that person. Even when you blow it, go back to Jesus. 
look, Jesus, I did it again. I'm, I'm sorry. I need your help. Please don't give up on me. I know I'm a piece of work. That's Peter. That's Peter. And he goes on, verse 9. It says, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Okay, so they're business partners. So here's the big deal. Who becomes the first disciples, the early core of disciples? Peter, James, and John, these three guys. They become some of the, what we would know as like the senior leaders among the disciples, okay? And God works just providentially through this pre-existing relationship they had in business together as fishermen. And, you know, and they already had friendship. They already had, and God just kind of takes them and says, hey, you know what? You guys already are, are you've got this hierarchical relationship. You kind of know how to problem solve. You work together. I'm just going to use you guys. We're going to do ministry. All right? I'm going to use you in ministry. And so here's the big idea again. Let me ask you are, you, are you just a regular guy? You guys that are here, you gals, are you just a regular gal? Just regular, just, just regular old gal. Right? That's good. It's good if you are. Because you know what God wants you to do? Ministry. That's what he wants you to do. And, and, and some of us, I think, right now, just today, need to take time and consider the ministry that God has called you to do. And I'm not saying drop everything else you're doing. Drop everything else your life is preparing for right now. Although sometimes that is the case. I mean, I, I, God may say that. But I'm saying that if you're just an everyday, regular person in this world that calls yourself a Christian, you have a ministry. You have a ministry. You have a ministry. And you might say, well, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to start. I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to go to. But, but, but God in his providence, he'll often put people in front of you just for the express purpose of bringing you together for the kingdom of God. For the, purpose of the, for the purposes of the kingdom of God. And so it might be that right now the people that you see in your circle of friendship are people that maybe God is, is doing. He's doing that work. It's like Peter and James and John. They've got a relationship. They've got a friendship. They've got a business relationship. They work together. They have a chain of command. They know how to resolve things. They run a business. They know how to get things done. And God just comes and says, I'm going to reroute you guys and now you're going to do my work. I mean, providentially, God will do that. He puts people in front of you to work in the ministry. That's exactly what he's doing here with Peter and James and John. And so if we read the, the very, to the very end here, the next verse, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. You'll be fishers of men. What's that, what's that mean? It, it means that the primary purpose of your ministry is reaching people. That's, that's what evangelism is. At the end of the day, being involved in the ministry of Jesus Christ is about reaching other people. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, hey, look, you're really good at catching fish. You know how to catch fish. I'm going to teach you how to catch people. The, what about the people out here that are my image bearers? It's good to make money. It's good to have, you know, to be a fisherman and catch fish. But what about, what about the people that bear my image? What about the fact that they're sinners? What about the fact that they that there really is that there really is a hell? When I talk about hell, Jesus says there really is. It is a place that people are going to be. Peter, could you take everything that you've learned right now in business, everything that you've learned from your generations of growing up as a fisherman? Could you take everything that you that you know in life and your experiences and utilize it and harness it and unleash it so that people who aren't Christians can come and meet the God of the Bible? Can you do that, Peter? Can you do that? 
so that their sins are forgiven, their lives are changed, and their eternal destiny is completely altered forever. Forever. And so I want to go back to the very beginning of where we started today, okay? The, 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 the thing that I said at the very beginning, the theme of the whole thing is this. Remember this. Christianity is a belief system and a lifestyle. It's not just a belief system. It's not just something that we say, I believe this. I'm in agreement with this. It's not just something that we do here and even here, but it's something we do with our hands and our feet and our voices and our, and our, and our, our lives. It's a lifestyle. That's what it is. And in this text today, in our scripture, in our passage that we've studied today, Jesus is showing us, he's telling us as he speaks to Peter what the heart of ministry is all about. As he goes out and he preaches the good news to all of these places and all these little towns. So that why? So that more people will hear. The more people hear about Christ, the more their lives will be changed. The more they will be saved. The more people who will be saved. The ministry is what God gets excited. That's what God gets excited about. That's the ministry that he gets excited about. When other people hear and know Jesus and their lives are changed because of this word. Just like fishermen get excited about pulling in nets full of fish. When God knows that you're out and you're sharing what you know and what, what has happened in your life and how Jesus has changed you, you're sharing that with others, God gets really excited about that. He gets really excited about that. And so Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you know what? Let's change your life course. Your life, Peter, you might have thought it was about getting more boats and, and more nets and more fish and all that, but your life is really about people. Whatever it is that you've studied to, to, to make, to, to center your life on, to do, that's great. But your life is about people because your life is about ministry. That's what he's teaching Peter here. That's the invitation to Peter, but it's also the invitation to all of us. And so the last question is in verse 11, he says, when he brought their boats in to land, they left. Well, they leave everything and they followed him. They left everything. They just walked away. They walked away from the, the fish. Not just the fish, the biggest catch they'd ever had, right? The catch that was breaking the nets, that was sinking the boats. They walked away from all of that. That was a valuable catch. They walked away from the business. Peter leaves it. And I, and I love what he doesn't say is, okay, Jesus, um, I, I, I am, I, I hear what you're saying. You're, I, know you're, I know you're asking me to come and, and, and follow you. So give me three months because we got to take these fish in and collect all this money first because that's a lot of cash. We put that away. That'll be great. We got to sell the nets. If we're going to leave our business, we got to sell the nets. We got to put the, all that gear on eBay. So I'll take a few weeks. And then we got to sell the boats. Once we get all that done, the boats are worth a lot of money. So we get all that squared away. We get all the money in the bank and I get all my fares in order. And then, then we'll be ready to roll, Jesus. Okay, so I'm, I'm ready. To, I, that's, that's when we'll be ready. He doesn't do that. It's an amazing thing. He just, it's really quite incredible. All right, that's it. I'm following him. It's like they just know who Jesus is. Now, I'm not saying that you should quit your job. <laughs> All right, don't, don't, don't hear me saying that. I'm not saying that that's what has to happen for everybody to be able to do ministry, right? Should some people? Sure, I guess, if God, if God tells you to. But the majority of us, that's not the case. But that's what God was doing here, <laughs> I mean, it is what he was doing here, and they did it. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing when we consider it. And I think sometimes it feels like it's a little bit outlandish 
Because we live in a day when, when followers of Jesus, people who are already followers of Jesus, considering the idea of seeing other people get saved, like for the average Christian, it's not even in our list of 100 priorities in, in everyday life. And so we consider the lifestyle of Christianity. I don't know that we consider that as, as, as part of a top priority for us. If you do, that's fantastic. Praise God that you do. But, but that's, that's what Jesus wants to pour into you today. This is what ministry is. Go and do it. And so I'm just going to close with a few questions, okay? I want to just leave you with these questions to, to ponder. I mean, these are things that you could just like discuss with maybe small groups of friends that you're, um, that you maybe you, you meet with, maybe a Bible study group, a friend group, or just maybe your family members, okay? And here, here are the questions. I got four of them. Number one is this. Are you pouring yourself out in ministry? Like, am I pouring myself out in ministry? And the answer to that question will center around what are you doing? Okay, what are you doing? So like if your response, like if you immediately say, well, I'm thinking about, no, 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 what are you doing? Okay, well, I'm, I'm pr- I've been praying about, nope, nope, what are you doing? Because that's what ministry is, it's doing. It's not praying, it's not thinking, it's doing. All right, well, I've been trying to figure out how, nope, 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 what are you doing? All right, stop yourself and just answer the question, what am I doing? Because it might be nothing, all right? But it's an honest question. I mean, sometimes, look, you just need to jump right in. Sometimes that's what it's about. If you do a study throughout the, the Bible, Old Testament and New, of all the people that God called and used in ministry, do this. It's a really interesting study. You will never find, you, you will be hard-pressed to find one person who was sitting around doing nothing. Who was like pondering, hmm, what should I do? What, is, what do you want me to do? You're going to find everybody that God called and used, the prophets, all the people that God used in the Old Testament, all the people God uses in the New Testament, they're already doing something. They're people that are involved in life. They're doing stuff. They're moving, and God just takes them. He says, you know what? You're already doing something, but I'm going to redirect your path. You're already a leader. That's awesome. Now you're going to be a leader for me. What's he do with Peter? You're already a fisherman. That's awesome. Your life is really busy. I know it, but you know what? You're going to, you're going to focus on fishing for people now, too. I just, I love how God does that. And sometimes that's what you got to do. You just got to say, okay, just jump in. So that's question number one. Are you pouring yourself out? Question number two. For those of you that are pouring yourself out in ministry, question two is, are you getting rest and recovery in solitude? What's that look like? You got to ask, you got to answer that question too. What's it look like? Are you getting your time with God? Are you getting your break? Because here's what often happens in sermons like this. Like whenever the preacher stands up and he just hammers and hammers and hammers a church about getting involved in ministry, you know what often happens is that the faithful people just do more and the unfaithful people just continue to do nothing. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's often what happens, right? We know that. That's, that's, that's the nature of the church. Well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. So, so what that, that's why that second question is so important. If you're already doing a lot, be intentional about rest and recovery. Number three, what value do you place on ministry, like what value do you place? And, I, and let's talk specifically about like, like just the local church. Have you ever asked yourself, like, what does Oasis Church mean to me? I, I mean, I know, like, I, I, I sometimes de-emphasize the local church because I say it's all about Jesus, and that really is the truth. It's all about Jesus. But I'm going to be honest with you. I also really love this church. I really do. I love this church. <laughs> I mean, I love others too, right? But I love. I really, there's a reason why I go to this one because I really like it. 
And I love this church. I do. I mean, Jesus gave his life for the church. And we need to give our lives for the church as well. So what does ministry mean to you, right? I mean, for Peter and James and John, it meant everything for those guys. They walked away from everything. I mean, like if you woke up this morning, like let's say you woke up this morning and you, you found out that we, Oasis Church, had just shut down for good. I, would, I mean, would it trouble you? I, I, you know, or is, I wonder sometimes is church, is church more like other things that we're consumers of? Like, hey, if Wendy's shuts down, that's all right, I'll go to Burger King. Not a big deal, right? I wonder sometimes if that's what it's like, you know, and I don't think that that is the case for those of you that have connected here. I really don't. I just, I just, I, these are things I think about sometimes. Like, is the, is the, is being involved in church a big deal to you? It is to me. And I think sometimes, and I, and I, and I want to say that I want to be intentional to say that because I think sometimes people come along and they see what we do at Oasis and they've made assumptions because we're really, really casual. I mean, it's obvious we're casual, right? I mean, we, we and, and, and we are really simple in our methods and, and, and we haven't pursued the kind of stuff that a lot of other churches do. I think people make assumptions that, that we really don't care as much about church. That it's more of a secondary thing to our other jobs or hobbies or something like that. And I want to tell you that couldn't be further from the truth. This is intentional. It's intentional. And I do love it. And I hope you do too. Number four, are you getting trained and are you training others? So don't live this, try to do ministry in isolation. Find other people that you can learn from, but then pour yourself into other people. Look, that's the point that Jesus reached here in this passage, didn't he? I mean, Jesus is God and yet he needs help in the ministry when he was here, right? Because he can only be in one place at one time. He doesn't, doesn't need you now. I mean, God doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. He chooses to involve us. Well, Jesus here on earth as, as, as human, fully God and fully man, he, he needed help with the ministry. And so he goes to Peter and James and John, and then they're going to add more. And they're inviting them to come and do what? Be trained by Jesus to carry out the work of the ministry. Are you doing that? Are you getting trained for the ministry that God may have you do? And, and, and likewise, are you pouring yourself, your life into somebody else to help somebody else fulfill the ministry that God is calling them to? So I want you to ponder these questions this week, all right? Ponder those things. These are questions about the Christian lifestyle, which is more than just believing in Jesus. This is, the, this is about living every single day. It's getting involved in the ministry of Jesus. Ponder these things. And as you do, ask God to lead you and guide you to where he wants you to be in this awesome privilege that we have called ministry. It's an incredible thing that every person who says, I'm a believer in Jesus has. And so as like those of you who are going through college, as you're going through college, this is a great thing to ask yourself. Just couple it, parallel it, right? This is what I'm studying. Okay, God, you're preparing me for this. It means I'm going to be an expert in this, right? You really are. I'm going to be an expert in this. How's, how, what kind of ministry are you doing with me? What kind of ministry? If you already have a job, if you're already an adult, you're adult, adulting, right? You got a job. Ask yourself, okay, God, how are you redirecting me? It may be in the same job, right? But how are you, how are you making my, me mindful of the ministry that I have every single day in this work that I do? All right. I'm not saying like last week, I'm not saying trying to force things into conversations, but as you live and abide in him and he abides in you, I think you'll know how to, how to live the ministry. All right. Let's pray. Let's pray. Well, God, I, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would motivate us to be people who are trained for ministry and people who train others for ministry.
And I pray for this church, God, this, this local church right here that we call Oasis and the one that's online that we call Oasis too, all these people that are connecting with us. You've been so good to us, Lord. You've, you've always been faithful to us, even when we haven't been as faithful to you. But God, there are some amazing people who are part of this church. There are people who, who are faithful, who've given their life and their time and their money and their gifts and their talent to work in the ministry that you have given them to do. And I just want to say that I am so thankful for them. And Father, I pray that all of us would see that Christianity is not just about believing in Jesus, but it's about that and also making our lives count now, here, in the ministry of the, to the world that desperately needs to know who you are, desperately needs to arrange their lives to you as well. I'd ask, Lord, today that you would just clarify the calling of every person here. We have a calling. We know that now. So, Lord Jesus, I pray for all that aren't doing what they ought to do, that they'd get on that path and that they would do a whole lot for the glory of God and for the good of other people. And we pray, Lord, all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.